Hello, and welcome to the Speaking Out podcast from the New Mexico Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Our goal is to highlight our programs and the amazing work that they're doing around the state, provide discussion around the topics of domestic violence, and create an environment of education and empowerment for anyone that may be experiencing domestic violence. This month's member spotlight is Grammy's House in Artesia, New Mexico. Today, I have on Dr. Selena Bryant, Executive Director of Grammy's House, to talk about her program and all of the work that's happening there. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Selena. I'm so excited to talk to you about yourself and then your program as well. Could you first introduce yourself to us and let us know who you are and who you are to Grammy's House? Absolutely. And thank you for having us, Rochelle. My name's Selena Bryant. I am a PhD in social psychology. I am the executive director at Grammy's House. I've been with Grammy's House since 2005. I've worn many hats and still wear many hats, but not as much. So we are a 24-hour domestic violence shelter in Artesia, New Mexico, Southeast New Mexico. We have a staff It ranges between 11 and 13 year round. We also have programs such as legal advocacy. We have a kids talk program. We help with orders of protection. We partner with one of the local colleges to host the GED and ESL classes here. Partner with the schools to work with our children. And then we also have a therapist part-time. And then we have the offender program and parenting program here. And I forgot to mention, we also have pet kennels, and those are kennels so our residents, our survivors are able to bring their pets with them. And right now we're in the process of making that climate-controlled pet kennel. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for telling us about all the amazing work that you all are doing for your community in Artesia. What is some of the work that you're most proud of that you all do? I'm proud of the staff we have here because this work is not for everyone. It can be very taxing, but it can also be very rewarding. And that's where you find people that are really committed to doing this type of work. I'm proud of them. And I'm also proud of the partnerships that we've formed with the community and also outside of the community. And the partnerships are who we lean on for support when they have a service that we can't provide here, we can make those referrals and we can entrust that they are going to take care of the clients and do what's needed and do right by the clients. And then I'm also proud of the improvements that we've made to the agency through funding support. Probably happened right in the middle of COVID and it still continues. We're doing some storage unit renovation. So each of the families will have their own storage unit to put things, to save things and to gather things. So when they actually leave shelter and transition into their permanent housing, they have nice things that they can take with them. And like I said, the pet kennels that's being renovated right now. So we're proud of a lot of things, but in essence, those are some of the top of the tier. (laughs) That is all so wonderful. And I've never heard about the storage unit stuff before. So that's really cool to hear about. Started out as how I think how a lot of things evolve especially in this work is it goes based on what are our needs. It's not just frivolous stuff. We're like, yeah, we should have storage. It is, we've had to turn down a lot of wonderful donations because we had nowhere to store them. And we're talking furniture, we're talking household 
items, clothing, a lot of things. And so what happens is each unit will coincide with, with the actual room that the family's in. And so that will be where they can place their things and it saves money. It saves a lot. And I think we looked at that as a need. And I'll give thanks to KFC and another private donor that gave us the donation that we had to write a grant, but we were awarded the money to be able to make this happen. That is so fantastic. And I love what you said about, you know, you're realizing the needs of your survivors and what you can do and then building your program off of that. And that's Mm -hmm. so wonderful. So how do you feel like your program might be different from other programs across the state? What's something that's unique to you all? It's not so much. I don't want to say it's different because, you know, we all do the same work and same intentions, and that's helping survivors of domestic violence and to see that when they leave care, that they're empowered. You know, not everything's perfect and people do go back into situations, but it's not that we're different because I think we're all one unit. You work together. Like our part is in helping them actually become domestic violence free, or at least recognize these things. But I think with us, it's the people that work here. It's different because they're not working for another agency. They're working for Grammy's house. And yeah, we have a unique team. You know, I've been here a long time. And I can honestly say for the past probably four or five years, we have a team and it's a family. It's like a family. And I've never been able to say that anywhere at work. This is a true little family. So I think that's what, and I think, and we're all working toward the same goals. That's so beautiful to hear. I'm so glad that you all are working so well together and that you're all oriented towards the same goal and that you're able to form a really wonderful work situation. Because I'm sure that that then informs how your clients feel. Right. So how is your program growing or innovating? I know you mentioned storage unit. Uh, getting the kennels to where they're climate controlled, things like that. Is there some other ways that you all are growing and innovating that you'd like to share? Yes, I think the innovating part of it is awareness, not just community, but to entities that are collaborative partners and maybe not so collaborative partners. We deal with them, but not all the time. For them realizing that This is, I would say, two-part effort when it comes to helping people work through domestic violence situations. And when I say two-part, I mean that you have to address the offender. You have to address the batter. You have to address that. You can't just say, okay, yeah, get rid of it and we'll help the victim. When you're helping or providing services for offenders, you're also really helping the survivors. Some of these offenders are parents and or they're in relationships or they're still wanting to do better. And I think for me that it's not so much that it's innovative. It's just an effort that I'm working a little harder for right now. And I know our staff are as well. It's changing our mindset to help them change their mindset. We have to change it and really address it. I love that. Yeah, it is a topic that can be a little touchy for Mm -hmm. our field, but I think you bring up a great point that we are indeed helping survivors by doing this work with them. Right. So yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. 
So where would you like Grammy's house to be in five years, 10 years, 25 years? What are some long-term goals that you all have for your agency? I think our program in five years, you definitely want to grow your budget because that just feels good when you're in a good place to be able to pay the salaries you want to pay and to have the programs and also continue to make self-care important for your staff. That way people stay and people want to do the work or, you know, somebody needs a break, then you have somebody that can fill in in five years. I think we definitely want to expand our children's programs in the school. And that requires getting staff to do it. The schools want our kids talk program in all the school elementary schools. Well, right now you can't, <laughs> just don't have the staff, but that's something that we'd like to grow and keep it there as a constant resource. That's so wonderful. Well, I really hope that you'll be able to do that. And I would love to hear how that goes in your community. That's so great that the community wants that. Yeah, you it's know, a wonderful program. Yeah, hopefully you can point to that and be like, we need funding to make this happen. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what would be one of the most difficult situations you've had in helping a survivor? And then what could have helped you with that challenge? I know there's so many unique challenges to helping survivors. So I think this really, this question helps us identify some of the gaps that we have. Right. Yeah, how we can help you all. I think the challenging issues that we face with survivors, I think it's being in a rural community. I think it's the resources when we have somebody that is transient and wants to go back home, whether that's on the East Coast or wherever, you know, that issue of having staff to transport them to the nearest airport or bus station. You know, we have the resources to get those tickets. It's just that transportation thing because you have to stretch your staff sometimes. But this is when we reach out to the other agencies and they'll work with us. Sometimes Carlsbad or Roswell will help and meet us halfway to transport. I think that's a thing in a rural community. You just don't have the transportation needed. The resources are getting better, but I think that's a challenge that we've had. And then also when you have clients presenting with domestic violence, and, you know, they're not ready or they're not sure they want to come into a shelter. It's trying to let them know, reassure them that they're safe, that we work with our police department and they're safe inside. And we have cameras and staff. And I mean, they're truly fearful of being seen out in the public. You know, that's that's a genuine, genuine fear. It's real. Yeah, I can only imagine in a small community how difficult it would be. Right. I think for a lot of that is, I stand by this, I think the psychological fear, the psychological hold that is put into a lot of the clients, it's so true because it's paralyzing. It's where they can't, they're literally, even if the abuser is in another country, they're literally afraid, fearful that somebody's out here watching them. And no matter what we say or do, it doesn't help. But the one thing we can do is have them to trust us and have them to know that this is a safe place. But that takes time. It takes a lot of time for some. What is one of the most challenging issues that your clients face in your community? I know we mentioned, you know, being rural, like some of the like transportation, transportation. and then obviously yeah. it being small and for them to be out in public and that kind of thing. Is there any other issues that you can think of? I think the challenges also would be 
in a small community if their abuser lives within the area here. It's a small community and that's possible. And I think also, I'll say this, and I think it's more some of our clients have shared with us that they feel that there's a stigma placed on them being in a domestic violence shelter or being a survivor or a victim of domestic violence when they're out in the community, because in the small community, a lot of people know each other's situations, or if they share, genuinely come to somebody and share something about them going through the situation. It's like a stigma sometimes, and they have hard time getting jobs because they think that's going to come with them or trouble. And we're, we're working on that because it is an issue and we're working on addressing that with the clients and also with our partners out here in the community. Like we're saying, our clients come with a lot of skills and this and that is just getting through certain stages of their healing journey. So. Yeah, that makes sense that in a small town that people know each other's business a little bit, and then maybe that can yeah. cause issues. And so that's a tough place to be, but it sounds like you're advocating for your... Yeah, those career. are things that we're, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, that's great, though. So how can your community help you all? Like if somebody was listening to this and they're like, I really want to help Grammy's house, what are some Mm -hmm. things that people could do to help you all? I think it's, for me, it's stop by, give us a call, visit with us, help us get information out. We, We get as much out in the community, but also volunteer, come see what our needs are. And like a lot of times we've had people volunteer come in and and work on donations or come in and, you know, read to the children or, and when we get the candles up and running, <laughs> come walk a dog. You know? Yeah. That'll be my job. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> no. Yeah. So just little things like that, or just stop in and get to know us and, and kind of know what we're about and just, you know, come hang out, have coffee with us and just talk to us and find out what we need or what's going on. Yeah. Well, now I want to come visit and have coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, come on down. (laughs) So we all know that self-care is an essential part of Mm -hmm. uh, taking care of our staff that, you know, you all do super hard work and we need to be able to take care of ourselves in order to take care of others. So what do you and your staff do to take care of yourselves? Well, I think one of the things is it's a lot of this starts from if you're a leader, you know, you need to lead by example. And I think if staff need to take some downtime or they need to take care of themselves, it's cool because when you're here, be here. But also if you need some downtime, I'm good with it. And also we do lunches every now and then and we do plan a little, maybe come summer or something at the aquatic center or a paint class. And we also check in with each other all the time. Because last year was kind of a tough year for some of us. So you just check in with people and those things change, but it's also, I don't watch the clock with people like, you know, like, oh, what time is your shift start? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you all are supporting each other in that way. And you're making efforts to plan fun things. And that's, yeah, I want to definitely want to do some things this summer. It's not so hot, like 128 degrees. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be sitting behind the air ac yeah i need to go find somewhere air conditioned <laughs> i know it's just complain like today's too windy tomorrow will be too cold <laughs> it's never that's, perfect yep that's new mexico weather for you yeah <laughs> like that, right yeah 
So yeah, other than that, that, I mean, that was my last question. Do you have anything else that you would like to add? Do you have any events coming up that you'd like to highlight? Anything like that, that we could add to the podcast? No, just grant renewal time. So that's not an event though. Well, it is, but anyway, no, I think I would just like to add, thank you, the Coalition Against Domestic Violence. You guys are a big support for us. You're awesome. And I'd like to thank our community for being a part of what we do. We have a very supportive community and give us a call if you need anything or even if you want some education or want us to come out to your areas of work or even churches and stuff. We'll come out and visit with y'all and bring out information. That's so wonderful. I'm so glad you brought that up. I will put in the show notes your website and your phone numbers so that if anybody is listening to this and they need your services or just want to reach out and find out how to help you or get connected, they can. So that will all be in the show notes for the the podcast. Okay, thank you. Um, Of course. And thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) We want to thank our programs that work tirelessly across the state to support those affected by domestic violence. Each and every staff member, advocate, therapist, and supporter is important. We appreciate you. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, there is help available. Please call the hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233 or visit their website on a safe device at www.thehotline.org. Love our conversations? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and share our podcast. You can submit questions and feedback to Rochelle at nmcadv.org. Thanks for listening in.